0: parenting comes with a lot of joy it comes with a lot of tears <laughs> but i tell you uh, not not no joy like you know what parenting brings um, it's just uh, uh, unmeasurable
1: welcome to the first installment of ismiley family speak produced by ismiley ignition I'm your host, Sahil Badruddin, and in this series, we'll be talking to parents about raising their children as Ismailis, including the challenges they face and the solutions they've tried. We hope their insights will help other parents facing similar challenges. To keep our conversation short and practical, we follow a common question template with most of our guests. Find future episodes at ismailiignition.org. For this first episode, we have Karen and Faiz Magani from Dallas, Texas in the United States. Fez was born in Karachi, and grew up in Dubai, UAE, and moved to the USA in the summer of 1993. He is known in the community as a music producer, songwriter, and singer with multiple Ismaili Geet albums to his credit. Karenisa was also born in Karachi, and moved to the United States in the summer of 1995. She is an early childhood development teacher, and also serves on the Aga Khan Health Board in the Central United States. Right now, she's pursuing her master's in Family Nurse Practitioner. They were married in June of 2003 and have a 10-year-old girl and a 7-year-old boy. Karenisa, Fez, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having us, Sahil.
0: Yes, thank you very much.
1: To help set the stage for our audience, could you tell us a little bit about your family and children Anything special or unique about your family as far as being an Ismaili is concerned?
0: Yes, I can speak to that. Um, One thing that I would say that I call our family a musical family, um, and and the reason I say that is uh, because um, I love to say ginaans. I love to listen to ginaans, recite casitas. I'm always humming uh, some music uh, in some fashion, and we have um, a dad that's the composer. Um, he writes music, he composes music, he sings music. Um, and so music is um, always around our household in some form or fashion.
2: So um, Sahil, as, uh, uh, back, reflecting back up on your question about as an Ismaili family in terms of the children. So you mentioned earlier, we have two. Uh, we have a, a 10-year-old girl. Her name is Shifa Anaya and uh, a seven-year-old boy who is every once in a while, <laughs> a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is Izan Ali. So, mm-hmm. and as Kerenissa mentioned, uh, you know, music is, uh, is a one, that's one of the, the unique things in our family is because both Kerenissa and I really like music. It's our kids are growing up in that environment and that music is very much connected to our Ismaili faith. Most of the time, what we're listening to are ginans and qasidas and geets. And, and so I would say that that's, uh, like Kerenissa mentioned, one of the unique things about our family.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So Hazard Ali once said, do not force your children to behave like you, for surely they have been created for a time which is different to your time. Now we know there are also timeless values and virtues parents have always tried to instill in their children. So what I want to talk here about are, we, I want to leave aside these universal values and ethics and kind of focus on what Hazrat Ali said so what aspirations as an ismaili parent do you have for your children that would let you feel that you have not just raised your children well but well as ismailis what i'm getting here at is children that are soundly that are soundly grounded in and have a strong conviction in the ismaili faith
2: so uh, you know i think uh, as parents one of the the things you know karenis and i really agreed upon earlier is Both of us, you know, even though we come from the same country, we grew up under different backgrounds and we come from different kind of families. Right. So there are certain things in which we differ on uh, on aspirations for our children. But for, uh, you know, and I'll speak for myself here that for me, uh, having children that are grounded in uh, and I I know you, you spoke about leaving some of these universal values aside. But for mm-hmm. me, I think that's what faith is. Our, our, our faith uh, our faith of uh, Ismailism is rooted in universal values in general, values that can be no matter where you are, whether you are in your dini life or your, or your Dunyavi life, they, these are values that we, uh, me in general, I, I think I aspire to those values. I, I would like to see my children, if I see them, uh, that they have these values of compassion, Ethics of generosity, you know, of, of honesty, of integrity. Then I feel I would feel that I have raised them right, and and in in fact, even as far as uh, going as far as to say as they've they've been raised in a smiley values.
0: Yes, and you know these values that we just talked about—compassion, kindness, generosity—and um, these values has to begin in us first, as parents, you, Fez, and I. We have to you know, show it in action, you know, about what kindness is, what is generosity, what is compassion. And it could be just simple things of of just helping someone in Jamaat Khana. So when we talk about these values, um, you know, we have to practice it in, be- in between us first. Um, and then that's, and when the kids see it, and when they're around these values, they will pick up. If not today, if not tomorrow, if not a month later, they will see, oh, my mom used to do this, or my mom you know, uh, opened the door for, for seniors or, you know, or got a water or a glass for an elderly in Jamaat it will, uh, you know, click one day.
1: No, I absolutely agree with you. I think those values kind of stick with you throughout your lifetime. One of the things that we are curious about is, would you say there are any values that are unique to them as Ismailis?
2: I think... Unique values are values of volunteerism right of uh, I think that's part of our DNA. One of the things that I and I, I'm pretty sure Karenessa gets uh, sort of mentioned to at work uh, in our offices is how we are always engaged in, in terms of helping not just within our community but serving those who are outside our community And so the, the volunteer the, the, the value of serving, uh, as volunteers, I think that's an important thing that you don't get to see much, as much outside the Ismaili faith. And so I think for me, at least, to be able to see uh, our children going out and leading a life of purpose, I, I think that would be an amazing thing for us to uh, see as parents that that we've were we we've been successful as parents if we see our children uh, serving others who are in need.
0: And I, I will add to this, you know, this, um, this, this, uh this term terminology of volunteerism, right? I mean, that it's rooted in us. And again, our children, uh, Izan and Shifa, they see their dad be involved in, in different in different activities and different way of serving the people or Jamaat through his expression of music. And they see me, you know, with being an ed rep for the ECDC from Bar 2-3, Shifa sees me uh, when I go and teach, these little kids. And when she, when she sees me, um, you know, how I contribute um, to, to their upbringing, that in itself, you know, brings that value of volunteerism that, mm. you know, there is a purpose in life. Yes. Shifayan is on, you are my children. Um, you know, I'm there to help you. I'm there for you. But in addition to that, there is a partner purpose of serving uh, not only just us, not just, you too, but also serving the Jamaat, serving our Imam, um, serving just the community at large.
1: What do you guys speak to them? Well, and Besides English, what do you guys speak to them? What language do you guys speak at home?
0: So, um, Sahil, we started out uh, very uh, good <laughs> when the kids were little. Um, mm-hmm. I started speaking Gujarati uh, with Shepha and Azan. Fez was talking in Urdu with both of them. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, we did great. Uh, and they were awesome up until first grade. And Gujarati was not my primary language; Urdu was. But I really always um, wanted my kids to speak Gujarati. I think it's just the most beautiful language. And plus, you know, a lot of these uh, duas and these uh, Tasbis that are recited in Jamaat they are in Gujarati. So I wanted the kids to be able to understand what those Tasbis are, what those duas are, and be able to translate that. But I unfortunately lost them right around I would say when she first started her first grade and it's only because you know as they get older you know the conversation um, gets kind of you know detailed conversations and when the, the opinions yeah. and, and different arguments and it was just harder for me to be able to continue that so it was almost mm. easier and convenient for me to just reply back to her in, in English. So that's when I, I lost her. But I feel like, you know, she's still there, though. You know, like she can at least understand. She's a fifth grader now. Shukar alhamdulillah. She's able to, uh, you know, here and there converse the Jirati, um, you know, and, uh, and for sure she can actually speak Urdu because her, her dad will not respond back. If she's not talking to him in Urdu, he will not respond back. And I'm so proud of him that he actually stood his ground because uh, we can see the results in her.
2: Shukar. Mm. Yeah. Although we cannot say the same for the second, uh, for, our two, for our seven-year-old, because uh, he speaks to his sister in English. He also got in- integrated more into, into school life and to Jamaat kind of life, where the primary mode of communication is English. So even though, like Perenessa mentioned, they actually both understand Gujarati and Urdu, but Shifa sp- still speaks to me in Urdu. But uh, in Izan, we, he just, uh, even though we, we will speak to him in Urdu or Gujarati, he will respond back in English.
1: So you both spoke about some of the challenges of kind of ingraining the culture and language within your children, and they are going to be entering into their teens, which is a precarious and unpredictable time for both children and parents. You know, there's peer pressure, and so parents worry a lot. I want to know what decisions and steps do you plan to take or even have taken to help ensure your children Mature and develop the way you hope they will through this time.
2: No, that's a great that's a great question, Sahel. This is something that we grapple with almost on a daily, if not a weekly basis. It is um, this is something that Kerenissa and I really talk about very routinely, and you know, you you see our kids grow up in an environment that is materialistic, an environment that is very digitally, socially connected rather than personally, socially connected. And so when, when I hear my children, when they talk about, you know, if they come up to me and say that they have to visit with somebody in person, uh, I'm really proud of them. I, you know, in fact, I encourage that. Karanis, I encourage that. But I, I, I feel Good. that, you know, uh, anytime, uh, anytime, you know, the, the talk turns to some sort of a digital uh, connection through social media, or there are some apps that some of these uh, children around these days are using. My, uh, my children do not have access; they do not have their own phones. And every once in a while, they'll they'll be able to grab my wife's phone uh, and be able to speak uh, or FaceTime one of their friends. And in sort of a, a controlled environment, I feel it's okay. But every once in a while, they'll ask, "Can we have a private conversation, or can we uh, play this kind of a game with with our friend online?" And both Karen and I have been highly discouraging that, in fact, mm. <laughs> to the point of not allowing it to happen, just because it is something that we are still unsure of of, of the implications, of future implications around it. Right. Uh, and so that that's the way I've been, you know, handling it. Karen, I don't know if you have anything to add to that.
0: Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things, right? And there are uh, other things like simply asking for cell phones. And a lot of it is uh, peer pressure when they see their friends have so and so things. And why can't I have a phone or why can't I have the ability to play this um, game? Fortnite, like Fortnite, um, and and also and you know of course we hear and we read about these things that are detrimental for them and that we discourage. So I think one of the main things is that I try to be present for them. I try to listen to their desires, to what they want. When Shifa tries to persuade me uh, how badly she wants the phone, I try to listen to her, and and instead of just telling her no, you cannot have the phone, I said so. And I try to have her understand that why am I saying no? I remember when I grew up, when my mom told me no, I had no ifs or buts. No was no. But this day and time, I think our children are different. Uh, They need reasoning behind, you know, why is my mommy saying that I cannot have a cell phone or why I can't socially connect or connect with my friends via social media. So I think once you spend that time to interact with your children, to make them understand that why uh, we are discouraging them from certain things. You know, at the moment they may not be happy. Next day they may not be, but eventually she gets it. Um, it took us months and months to. Really, um, have Shifa understand that why we're saying that she could not have a phone. And I think Shukhar Mola, we're at the point where she's finally getting it. Okay, mommy and daddy said I cannot have a phone till I turn 13. And this is just one of the examples, right, of many other <laughs> things. Yeah, like- I think,
2: I think, uh, you know. Uh- one of the things you mentioned, Sile, is is what are, I mean, there are multiple aspects right here, right? There's, for example, mm-hmm. movies, right? We All of us, right. we enjoy going out with our children to watch movies. And this may really sound like Fez and Karenis are conservative, but we're actually pretty liberal parents. And many of the things that are many of our thought processes, you know, I'm very open with our children. So when it comes to even things like movies, I, I do not mind as long as I'm watching with my children in a controlled environment. And there are certain things in our family that are open for them and it's okay. But especially violence is something that I am very especially concerned about growing up, especially here in the United States of America where we have this gun culture. And so I am, when my children come up to me and say, hey, we want to watch, for example, what's this, the, the Avengers movies, right? Uh, Infinity mm-hmm. uh, War or Endgame or something like right. that. With Movies that contain so much violence that it numbs, right. my, 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 my feeling is that it numbs uh, people to this form. And so I, I discourage that and I will in fact, like Heronisa mentioned, I will uh, explain to them why it is that I'm, you know, I don't know one, that even though their friends might be watching it and many of their friends are watching it in silos without any parental supervision or guidance either, but if I am going to watch them and I am going to relent on something, I would rather be with them so that I can hear or I can explain to them uh, the context of, of that of that violence or whatever it is in that movie. Yeah.
1: I think what a lot of people don't know is that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates actually restricted their children from phones until they were teens, and I think for Steve Jobs it was like when uh, his children were thirteen years old. So. And Bill Gates was even longer, I believe. And these were the people who developed the technology for the iPhone and other things. So I think it's might be surprising for people. Yeah. I want to say, they say, speaking about looking back at your children and then looking forward, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But I'm not sure it always is since we don't know what path may unfold and where the world is going to move. But if you look back over the years, I mean, 10 years for your girl and seven years for your boy, boy, what decisions did you make in raising your children that you now feel were good ones? And on the other hand, others you feel you might have changed had you known what you know now?
2: Hmm. So so one of the decisions I, I think, uh, especially with with going through the ECDC model, has been very beneficial. Uh, and especially with Karenissa becoming a teacher for ECDC in terms of how she, uh, you know, she's sort of been coached and trained and, and is now is now impacting the lives of those who are sort of she's influencing with her supervision uh, or uh, with her teachings so or with, with her mentorship. I think one of the things that that I feel we uh, we should have done a better job from the very get go. Is financial management? I think this is something that's lacking in our schools, but it's also perhaps lacking in our conversation, uh, and had been lacking in our conversation. And and I think if we had addressed this early on, tackling the financial decisioning uh, and dis- and having those so- sorts of discussions with our children early on. Uh, then there could be certain things where they could have had a better understanding of, Hey, money does not grow on trees. Money is not something uh, that you take for granted. It takes a lot to, to earn an income and uh, uh, education. Like the mom says, education is not something that, that you acquire just for the pursuit of money, but, but that is just a byproduct. but it is, it is, to help other people. And I think initially our conversations with our children were that you need to be educated so that you can make your life, you can earn an income, right? I think that's those sorts of conversations. I wish we could have molded them differently. Hmm. Karen I don't know if you have anything to, to add to this.
0: Yes. then um, you know, I, I hear him, but then on the other side, I think, you know, we've, we've actually done pretty good in terms of uh you know teaching our kids about value of 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 uh money uh, and I'll give you an example when we're at the mall or when i 'm shopping with my daughter Shippa, and there is something that she likes you know she will actually look at the name tag uh, or you know the price tag and she will be like mama this this top is." Twenty dollars. Uh, you know this is expensive. Oh my, do you have a coupon or something? Or you know, um, um, how do we just wait? Uh, you know, tenants it's on sale. So you know, I feel that I think uh, we've done somewhat of an, uh, you know, uh, a decent job in giving them that sense of saving, the sense of um, not being. Uh, you know that you no, know, I like this. I have to have this now, or uh, or this is. Uh, it doesn't matter how how much it costs. Uh, you know, so but I see his point. Uh, you know that there. <laughs> yeah,
2: but even if you look at Isan, you know, I'm just reflecting back on what Karen is just what you're saying. Uh, even Isan is, you know, if you do not use, if you've purchased something, and if you end up not using it. He actually will call out and say, Hey, you just wasted money. Yes. You you, you wow. picked this up or you bought it and but you're not using it. What did you buy it for? Wow. Why yes. did you waste this money? Yeah.
0: Yes so this was uh, the money aspect right of financial uh, discipline or um, so uh, I, I want to add to this uh, is one thing that I feel that we have really uh, started introducing ecDC and I'll tell you from birth to three right uh, how we have these five month- old children that are coming in and how we're actually teaching teaching them or maybe so by modeling to them uh, of, of how to cope with stressors of life the life in general in a america or anywhere else would be is like the says in his it's mm-hmm. made of problems it's made of struggles but how do you cope with it so mm-hmm. you know i feel that we all are busy yes you know you we've got work commitment we've got family commitment uh we have to take care of our house our children we are in such in, in that environment of just go 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 but we don't take a moment yes. of practicing um, our faith by, you know, we don't take, or you know, I wish that I had taken uh, more time to actually just take a moment of silence, of moment of remembrance, of just a moment yes. of deep breaths. Uh, you, you know, to teach our children: look, this is life. Life is not always fair. It won't mm-hmm. always come with things that we want or need, uh, but. To be able to face those problems, just simply take a moment of practicing our faith.
1: Do you feel the challenges you are facing make it feel like you are swimming against an unrelenting tide? One that is continuously, that continuously wears you down or do you feel optimistic? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's gotta be both right it's a hybrid style it's, it's a hybrid of yeah. both there are days where it, it really uh, you know rains down and there are days where mm-hmm. you're like no you know what the sun is going to shine so it's <laughs> uh, uh it is uh you know one of the things that uh and we sort of alluded to this earlier is uh i feel that materialism is one of the biggest to me at least, burdens of of our time, the challenges of our time and the place that we live in, because we have access to, uh, our children have access to so many things uh, Mm -hmm. that we growing up did not. My parents growing up and Karen's parents growing up did not. And so these children are not growing up in an environment where where they are lacking uh, access uh, to some of these, to many of these resources, they have been given. Uh, and so it, it almost, they, they did not have to go out and seek these resources. So they end up taking these resources for granted. And so I, I just I feel that this, yeah. And so this, this, I feel it's excessive materialism. And for me, at least it is my burden. And, and I feel I need to better cope with it and just be able to respond to it more Um uh, effectively with my children. I think Kieranisa certainly does a much better job of addressing it than I do because uh, it, it bogs me down. And so most of the time, my response to my children when I feel that they're uh, inching towards this materialism is is something that's a little bit on the forceful side, whereas Kieranisa, uh, I think she addresses... You know, much more calmly, but I feel that uh, I feel like my you know she doesn't have that urgency that I do in terms of addressing it. That we need to address this now. So I don't really care, you you. What do you think? <laughs> yes,
0: you know, and again, I think it's with anything, uh, anything, right? In regards of uh, when it comes to our children, when we uh, these children, they they they're just different generation. You know, they're they're very different than how we were. You know, they yes, if there is a no to something. Uh, you know, we have to give them, or I feel like I I should give them a good reasoning, a good explanation, a rational explanation to where Mm -hmm. it will click. They will have that spark. Okay, my mommy's saying no to something. Why is it? Um, And uh, just talk and talk and talk and communicate and and have that patience. Uh, Because, you know, I know that we want instant results, but it just doesn't come instantly. It just takes a lot of patience from us, uh, and it it, it it will, you know, shine one day.
1: Inshallah. Inshallah. I actually I I think social media has actually made it worse in terms of this excessive materialism. So I wanna talk about guidance and I wanna to shift towards what something the Imam has said. In his recent Diamond Jubilee guidance, Hazuram called on the institutions in the Jamaat to think together and tap the Jamaat's wisdom to learn what are its needs. What do you feel that we we all, the institutions, the Jamaat itself, and those behind private websites or other projects trying to help the Jamaat in various ways can do or do differently to help you to serve the needs and challenges you face as an Ismaili parent?
2: So I, I, I personally... Um, I'm of the belief that I think the institutions are already doing a lot. I think they've been given a mandate uh, by the Imam. And I think uh, they, uh, you know, they have to meet the overall quality of life needs for the Jamaat. And so there is only a limit to how much they can do. Right. And so I think Sahil, I, I think what you, for folks like you and Mohib and uh, other institutions uh Non-jumati institutions, uh, if I may call it that, even even uh, for example, like for example, my band, the Sophistics. You know, there are other organizations uh, like Jolly Gold Radio. There's all, all mm-hmm. of these different yes. platforms. The Smiley Mail. You know, they they are contributing to contributing to the gaps that we perhaps might feel there are within the institutional framework. But I think this is what the Imam, to me at least, I I believe he encourages this. He wants this uh, aspect of civil society for us to engage in this aspect of civil society, and I, th- I think mm-hmm. if we f- if we did not do it, we would not be we would be doing a disservice. And so I think you know a lot of this ha- has has to do with with ha- starting these private initiatives that that cater to <coughs> some of these needs of the jamaat that might be uh, might not be an area of focus for the institutions just because they are already burdened with the mandate, with the specific mandate Mm -hmm. uh, that has been given to them by the imam of the time. Karen, I don't know if you...
0: I mean, I think, I mean, we are just so blessed to be part of the community that we are. I mean, I just can't, I can't say enough about our institutions about... You know, just different portfolios that our Jamaat or our Jamaati has to offer to our children. Uh, I mean, we are beyond, beyond blessed um, to be part of the society that offers so many different opportunities to our kids. And A, again, ECDC, right, early birth to six, and we've got these different camps and AKYSB, we've got REC, Camp Mosaic.
1: I want to talk about other Ismaili parents and newlyweds. What advice would you offer to other smiley parents or newlyweds looking to start a family, or even smiley parents looking to immigrate to the West about challenges they'll face, of which they might not be aware of?
0: So, uh, newlyweds or any family starting a new family, or it's it's a total joy. Uh, parenting, parenthood, motherhood, fatherhood. <laughs> I mean, I cannot. Uh, we're. We're very blessed. Uh, parenting comes with a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. It comes with a lot of tears, <laughs> but um, as a parent, um, I'm happy to hear.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I tell you, uh, not not no joy like you know what parenting brings um, is just uh, uh, unmeasurable. Shukar Hamdulillah. And one thing that I would advise is, yes, um, you know, being a parent, just don't don't forget your faith. Don't forget taking a moment of zikr um, because being a parent, like I mentioned, comes with being i mean when you become a parent it teaches you patience you know if you thought that you are not a patient person trust me when you are a dad or when you become a mom that's the first thing that you would learn that you have to learn Mm -hmm. to be patient and patience will come when you remember your faith when you uh, take a moment of and practice your faith and and that in itself won't just give you patience but it will also teach your kids how to cope with the stressors mm. of life how to uh, you know deal with with just different different things that come up
2: yeah and I think Sal, to, to your question about smiley parents looking to immigrate to the west about challenges they'll face you know mm-hmm. I, I, uh, and I alluded to this earlier there is of course uh, you know all of a sudden there's this glitz and glitter there is uh, you know a lot of access to things and information and it's just, uh, you want to be aware of what, of picking the good. I think the imam has also mentioned this and, and some of the things that he said is that pick. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, to pick what is good and to leave the bad. So there is definitely good, but there's definitely a lot of bad too, right? And so you, you want to be able to be careful about teaching yourselves and your children about what is the good that you must take. And what is the bad that you must leave behind? And also, you know, I, I think one of the things that I think we've sometimes failed to address with our children is identity, right? Uh, it's, it's important mm. to know your roots, to know where you come from, to know what where your parents and your grandparents came from, what they dealt with, what kind of an environment they grew up in. What did they give up to give you this life in, in a place that, Every once in a while might feel like yours, might not feel like yours, because there are elements of society that will not allow for you to feel like it is yours. How do you navigate that? How do you make this your own country, Uh, which it is once you decide to settle in here? It is, but but not at the expense of giving up on on the values of your faith, of your uh of of the upbringing that your you came from your parents came from your grand grandparents came from those universal values so i think there are a lot of opportunities here of compromising those values and we must avoid those uh those instances so that's i would i would i would basically call out that that's one of the things to be careful about you know here in in the west
1: well Kerenisa, fez thank you thank you very much for sharing some outstanding insights and sharing your challenges as parents.
2: Thank you for having us, Sayo. Yes,
0: thank you very much, Sayo.
1: After the interview, we were talking further about social media. Fez shared his concerns about it and the strategies he uses to help ensure social media doesn't consume his own time and attention. He has kindly given permission to share his remarks.
2: No, I'm, I'm. Thank you for sharing that, Moheb, as well. So you know, last year uh, I actually went uh, during the month of Ramadan. Uh, I completely disconnected from uh, Facebook, all social media, actually. And then after Ramadan ended last year, of course, we had Portugal and everything. I ne- since then I never reinstalled the Facebook app on my phone. To this day, since almost a year, almost a year and a half now, I've not had Facebook on my phone. And uh, and I usually try to completely go off Facebook in the month of Ramadan just so that I can be off. Uh, I, I, I will usually log in once every couple of days for a little bit. And so I'm, I'm trying to see, because instead of just telling my kids what to do and what not to do, I'd like to be able to be in a position to model it for them.
1: Now, I've done the same thing actually, Fez. I've deleted the Facebook and the Messenger app from my phone. And I just use the browser version from time to yeah. time. I just log in and see what's going on. But I found it yeah. to be much more joyful to be honest (laughs) it is (laughs) yeah thank you for listening to this ignition interview for future installments subscribe to our newsletter or visit us at ismileyignition.org